This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Never before have consumer expectations shifted at such a rapid pace. As brands and marketers try to keep up with an always evolving consumer landscape, what they are quickly discovering is that just because you operate in one sector doesn't mean you are just being judged against your peers. As the Executive Vice President and Chief Marketing Product and Digital Officer at City National Bank, what Linda Duncombe has discovered is that while the customer always comes first, the way customers interact with other brands and platforms across multiple sectors greatly alters the expectations they have for yours. They're not comparing me to banks. They're comparing me to the experiences that they're having in their lives. When we think competition and innovation, it's really easy for us to say, this bank is doing this and this bank is doing that. But that's a big mistake because that is not what we are being benchmarked against. And so innovation has to start thinking very differently about how we meet the client experience. It's evolving. On this episode of Marketing Trends, Linda discusses why City National Bank has widened its scope of technology services in an effort to make the customer experience a more streamlined experience. And she discusses why the customer's voice is larger and more important to marketers today than it ever has been before. Enjoy this episode. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends, and today we are joined by special guest, Linda. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing fantastic and so excited to chat with you today. Uh, one of the top women in banking uh, and uh, marketing extraordinaire. Uh, excited to chat about everything happening at City National. And then also excited to chat about your background. So how did you get started in marketing? Thank you. Well, I actually was a frontline banker and I got frustrated with our marketing team and materials and, and their approach. And I thought, surely this can't be that hard. And so I went to the dark side and became a marketer. <laughs> and, and I realized how incredibly hard it was. But I found a real love in all aspects of marketing and insights and finding it to bring a voice to the client to the table. And I've never looked back. I love it. I love those stories. Uh, I love the, uh, the, the, the marketers like this. I can, I can do this. And they're like, whoa, this is complex. Yeah. Well, now it's even more complex um, because yeah. there are so many different things that, uh, that go into marketing these days. Um, now you're, you're the EVP and CMO of City National Bank. Uh, tell us a little bit about the scope of your role. Yeah, I, I love this role. I moved to Los Angeles for it and it feels a lot like home. I'm, I'm from Sydney. So a big part of it was just being able to have a great lifestyle while working incredibly hard. I look after all of our marketing, which includes our MarTech and Salesforce teams, the client experience, all of our advertising communications, as well as all of our digital channels and our product development and our multicultural outreach and philanthropy. And so the role really does have a, a broad reach across many things, including if we're looking at any new fintechs to help solve our problems or opportunities that our clients are telling us is important to them, then I, I run that innovation team as well. And the nice thing about it is that um, you, when you think about the client experience, like you think about the product, the marketing and digital, and it's the connection point for all of our clients. And so that we're able to have it sitting all in one place, I think really does create a, a much better seamless experience 
um, for our clients who are started by entrepreneurs, for those with an entrepreneurial spirit. And so it really spoke to my own nature of wanting to be able to be the tip of the spear and, and move really fast, which um, C National Bank does in a, a way that's safe for our clients. Absolutely. But it's really fun. We make airplanes in the air. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I was, at Sid- I was in Sydney uh, last year and I can attest it is a lot like LA. You're right. Thank you. Yeah. And I live by the beach. And so um, I find it really, it's really therapeutic for me. I actually put my feet in the water in the Pacific Ocean and my mom puts her feet in the water in the Pacific <laughs> Ocean. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're in the same ocean. It's, that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> so um, for listeners who don't know, share a little bit more about City National Bank. Yeah. Um, so when we started um, over 67 years ago now, uh, it was by a group of business people that weren't being welcomed into local businesses and clubs. And so they thought, well, if we can't get what we need, we'll just start our own bank. And a bunch of entrepreneurs who really started to focus initially on real estate and the entertainment industry, which has significantly grown for us um, since then, and very much focused on that private banking and, and business banking um, segments. While we're LA-based, we have offices across the country and included to um, expand this year and open more offices during um, the pandemic. And, and Ian, if you, like, I, if you could indulge me, I could tell you a little story about our history, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah, please do. Thank you. Um, in in the, um, the era of Frank Sinatra being a very important um, man and very iconic, um, sadly, Frank Jr. was kidnapped. And it was on a Saturday that the people that had kidnapped him demanded a ransom. And None of the banks would assist Frank, especially his own bank, saying, I'm sorry, we don't open on Saturdays and we don't know how to open the safe on Saturdays. And he came to our CEO at the time, which was one of our founders, and he, um, we were able to open the safe and we worked with the FBI. So we marked all the dollars that were handed to Frank to give to the kidnappers. And not only did Frank get his son back, but the FBI caught the kidnappers and Frank then went about Hollywood saying, if you don't bank with City National Bank, you don't do business with me, you're out. And so that was a big help for us becoming the bank to the stars. I mean, we do a lot more than that, but that's kind of how it started. And it talks to how we continue to do business. We don't look at things in a typical way. We'll look outside the box and, and start with what does the customer, you know, what does our client need? And then we work back from there. We don't start with, well, how, does, how do we typically solve for something? Because I think that limits your thinking. That's a cool story. They actually tell us on day one when we start the bank. That's incredible. <laughs> I love it. My mom's I can't, be- <laughs> I can't believe that. Yeah. My mom, my mom, who also is named Linda, I'm sure she would love it too. Uh, oh, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Uh, huge Sinatra fans in, uh, in our yeah. family. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, he's, he's yeah. So, so what a what an advantage, right? To be to be the uh, the bank to the stars. Um, you know, yeah. we, were, we were talking before this about how I remember uh, the City National Bank uh, partnership with the Warriors because I was a huge Warriors fan. You know, back when uh, back during kind of like the first title run and stuff. It seems like you know what you all do really. You know, trying to be uh, something special. Um, you know, to have your marketing be special. How do you how do you think about about the brand? Yeah, no, thank you. We have a laser focus on our clients, our communities and our colleagues. And in fact, this year was our largest year for donations to communities. And and I mean, gosh, if there was ever a year to increase donations, this is the year to do it. I look at marketing and especially one of the reasons why I came here, our company has a genuine heartbeat, like it has a DNA and it cares for those things. And the person who recruited me was stepping down as CEO and remains chairman, which is Russell Goldsmith. And Russell's grandfather was one of our founders and his father was one of our CEOs. And 
when he brought in Kelly Coffey, who's just a phenomenal woman and it's a privilege to work for her. She understood the importance of you can't be all things to all people, but what we do, we will do with authenticity and, and passion. And so when I think about the marketing, but how do you stay true to that? Like, how do you make sure that when we're talking to our clients or those that we would like to be our clients, it resonates with what we're told from, from our clients that we do incredibly well. And, you know, I track things like the net promoter score, which is incredibly high when we, we don't talk about it publicly, but it, it just continues to go up and up. And, you know, I think people are tested, whether it's fair or not, in, in times of crisis. And I saw City National Bank and all of our colleagues really rally behind um, our clients and, and our colleagues this year. And, and an example would be when I think about our brand and our marketing we had a lot of clients and a lot of um, people that weren't clients when the government came out with the stimulus package of the PPP needing to, to get access to those funds. And, you know, that was saving companies and, and saving local jobs. And we really wanted to be a part of that. And so we were able to do over 16,000 loans where we were able to give over $4 billion um, to, to companies. And, and we saved thousands of jobs by being able to do that. And, and we worked day and night to do that. Wow. And I think when you think about marketing and brand, it has to be something that you do in and outside. Like it's got, it's got to be in every aspect of your being. And, and it definitely um, was for us. And, and, you know, we, we needed to be able to um, move very quickly. So we used existing platforms like Salesforce and Adobe to be able to reach all of our clients as this was, this really was an airplane being made in the air. We had to move very fast. Um, and, just to see us rally like that, to really show value in what we say. We're here for our clients. Um, we were here before the pandemic. We've been here during the pandemic and we're a growth company. We will, we will be here after the pandemic. And so that's really important to us. And we want to make sure, you know, everybody knows that. Like, and, and it's moments like that where, you know, you, you can't buy marketing dollars and put placements in ads that's going to resonate with something like that. Like it has to be at every touch point and it's just as important what you do that talks to your brand and, and to your marketing. Yeah. So let's talk kind of a little bit about, you know, diving into that. What are some of uh, the things that you look to do from a strategic standpoint? Um, what are some of the areas that you're excited about that you can improve the customer experience, that you can improve your marketing and kind of market that, that customer journey, market that kind of 360 view uh, of the customer? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll give you a few examples of things that we've done this year that, that, again, we just had to move really quickly on. So we found that you know, when we think about connecting with our clients and being able to have information that was there for them as they needed it, and they could digest that information at the leisure um, of their time, we found our digital platforms became incredibly important. So I think about just our website, cnb.com and, and City National Insights, that's part of that, really stand out for me. You know, From the moment the pandemic hit, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty. People were looking for information to help them make informed decisions and not just for themselves, but for their loved ones and communities. Now, we held weekly investment calls where we, pump, we pumped out that information into these two sites. You know, we, we made sure that we were reaching the right people. And, you know, we, we aren't by no means, are we are one of the largest banks in America, but we do definitely punch above our weight. And, you know, when I think about some of the work we did with our insights page. You know, we were one of the top five Google search results for wealth management because we knew this was really important to our client base. And this was for a significant period of time during the pandemic and no other bank was there in that top five. And But we saw it to be really important. So we made sure that we, we, we could be there. And, you know, again, when, for a company of our size, you know, we had 
you know, over 1.6 million unique visitors to cnb.com and they were spending over seven minutes per visit. That says that the content we were putting out there was of interest and they were reading it. So we made sure that we continued to be informed on what they were looking at the most and made sure it was updated and relevant to, to what was important to them, you know, and even when we looked at cnb.com, you know, we, we looked at creating more than 90 different experiences to make sure when they came to our site, it was very personalized and they understood that when they came to the CNB, basically digital branch, they knew that it was something that was going to be of value to them. And that got me excited because we are definitely a company that has high touch, but high touch meant to us predominantly about how do you face-to-face have those meaningful moments with our clients. And, you know, we talk about being a digitally enabled relationship bank, and that really came to life this year as we saw behavior changing. And so I got super excited. My background, my passion, I love, I'm curious about everything. I'm always asking why, and and that's why I love data and insights. I want to know what what's driving um, behavior. And, you know, I, I think about how digital is playing a very important role um, so people can stay safe regardless of their age because there's, uh, I think, Again, something that I got super excited about is the older demographic was the, I think a lot thought, well, aren't very digitally savvy and don't want to be digital. I could show you data points before COVID that, well, that would myth bust that. That's not true. And, but more than anything, you know, during the pandemic, we have seen those numbers just go insanely through the roof, like our digital platforms are now having quadruple usage. So four times now more than what they were before COVID. And so that, that's huge for us and, you know, getting to play in that space and, and again, having the product, the marketing and the digital. So when we launched our first proprietary app this year, you know, I was a big believer of agile and you all had to be in the room. If there was two pizzas and it can only feed enough people in the room, like all that kind of thinking, I, I was a believer. And then we had to make that work at home where we had a hundred plus people sitting in a hundred different spots across, across America and Canada. And, and we were able to deliver that app on time. Um, with phenomenal results um, from our clients. And, and so then I get to market that, you know, and we were able to use tools like Salesforce and show our frontline colleagues just how powerful some of these platforms have always been, but they can see the value in it because they weren't able to sit down front, you know, person to person and walk a client through some of this stuff. We were doing it through these channels. And so I, I love, I love that. And I'm sorry it's come out of something so tragic as the pandemic, but we're making sure we're staying connected um, to our clients. And that stuff gets me up in the morning. I, I, I really enjoy it. Yeah. I, th- I think, you know, that mobile experience, that ease of use, the, uh, we say all the time on the show, you know, customer experience is the new brand, right? It's, it's, uh, yeah. it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of show, not tell these days. It's been a mantra for the last uh, handful of episodes and it just kind of feels more and more true by the day. As you look at just how people, are responding to what companies are saying versus what they're doing, right? And like, you you just yeah. have to live it. You know, you have to walk the line. Yeah. You know, it's a great point. And like, I think about when you say client experiences, the new marketing, I definitely feel this year, the client has had a bigger voice at the table than ever before. And, and I've always been a fundamental believer of co-creation. I've not ever taken product to market that I've not had heavy co-creation from the concept because why spend all that money and time if your clients or your prospects don't want it? And so I'm a big believer of co-creation and, and we've seen more of that. We're hearing more of that. And I think that that's really exciting because you know, I don't think you can put 20 marketers in a room who are all incredibly bright and have them be the only points of reference for what should be said about a company. I think that's a mistake. And, and I, 
I think about when we did our mobile, a great example would be, you know, we had designed the check deposit a certain way on what we thought was industry best practice. And as we started to give it to our clients in our sessions, they're like, oh, I don't think I like this. <laughs> and we're like, oh, no, this is what we're building. And, know, and right? literally we had to start to pivot. I mean, we had to pivot on the, on like, and we had hard-coded some of this stuff already. And so we had to pivot because we could see it didn't matter that we thought it was great. Our clients and our prospects were saying, we, we, we think there are some fundamental um, aspects of this experience that you need to change. And we did. And that was because they told us and we listened. And I think more of that needs to happen. And you know, as we went out to our clients who weren't using mobile uh, before the new mobile was available, one of the biggest things we referenced was check deposit. One, because we knew we'd built it and we were able to say we built this with our clients helping us. And we talk openly about that. And that we were able to tell them, like, you may want to go into the branch and you can still do that. But if you don't, you can now deposit a check from your home. And again, you know, we saw that go up five times from what it was being done previous. And and our clients really appreciate that because while that was marketing, we weren't trying to market anything to them. We were just bringing to their awareness that there was value in being our client that possibly they weren't aware of and they weren't using. And we thought it was best to let them know it was there. And so sometimes marketing isn't about selling. Marketing is about informing and helping your clients get the best of the value that they should get as a client to whatever business you are for our City National Bank. And so I, I, I'm, I'm really passionate about making sure the client is at the center of what we do at City National Bank. And it was one of the reasons why I came here. That was very much part of our, our um, values and, our, and how we went about doing business. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Do you feel like that... You know, there are some challenges perhaps with innovation um, and innovating in those ways, uh, especially as a marketer, right? Where it's like, you don't, I mean, at least I don't know if you do, but I don't think you own the like app development team or you own the mobile, uh, the mobile team to create that stuff. Are there any kind of challenges there? Yeah, and absolutely. I think because um, City National Bank really does have this entrepreneurial spirit. It's it, it makes life a lot easier. And so when you have these, I've got a great idea moments, people tend not to start with no. <laughs> There's not that resistance, which is very refreshing. And, and I've really liked that. And it starts with Kelly Coffey as our CEO. She, she sets that example from the top, like we have to stay open-minded and curious. And I think what I have seen, especially this year, is that we had to stay Nimble, nimble and very much fundamental to what made us successful from the beginning, which was being entrepreneurial and thinking out of the box. And so when we started to introduce new features and when we looked at what we had coming down the pipe in the next two years and we started pulling all of this forward because clients needed it, um, there wasn't a lot of resistance. Um, I was very fortunate. I, I think the biggest challenge is going to come from how clients start to measure value and success. So you know, the pace of change this year, I mean, we can talk about that in a whole podcast on its own. Like it's just, it's insane how fast things have moved. And this was a trend that was happening before 2020, but it's definitely something we're seeing in our um, research now, especially when we have focus groups around experiences and, and what's resonating in marketing messages. We're not being compared to financial institutions. No, no one in our group is saying this bank does this or that bank does that. And even when we prompt for a comparison to something in our industry, most people get a little frustrated because they're not, that's not where they're thinking. And they're thinking about, you know, what's the next great experience that they're going to have on their phone or when they do something online. And so I, I heard this once and I, and I've 
I've always kept this at top of house when I'm talking to my team, and that is, what is the safe way for banking that is at one tap to shop? Because people love it. Like one tap, I'm shopping and, and it's done. What is the equivalent in banking that always makes sure that our clients' data and their money is safe? So it's always fundamental, first priority. That, that goes without saying for us, it's absolute, it has to be done. But then it's like, how do you create those one-stop shop experiences for our clients? Because they're not comparing me to banks. They're comparing me to the experiences that they're having in their lives. And so I think when we think competition and innovation, it's really easy for us to say, this bank is doing this and this bank is doing that. But that's a big mistake because that is not what we are being benchmarked against. And so innovation now has to start thinking very differently about how we meet the client experience. It's evolving. We mentioned uh, before we before we hopped on some of the the cool kind of sponsorships and things that, that you all have done. I'm curious, like, how do you think of um, those kind of like brand campaigns or the campaigns that you you know have historically been a little tougher to to measure ROI? How do you think about like crafting those and, and doing those? Yeah, and especially too, um, we are very well known on the west coast of the US, like we are very well known. Our awareness is strong. But as we've grown into other markets, especially in the East Coast, when I think about um, DC, New York, Atlanta, like our, our presence isn't as strong. And so we have to be able to build awareness and also build awareness around what kind of products and services we offer. And so there's the mother brand awareness and then getting people to know that we have these products and we would hope that they would consider us to be their bank. And we do a little bit of work around... Um, how we drive the call to action. So we look at pre and post um, call to actions where we've created microsite pages or that drives to a lead generation at cnb.com, which has been really helpful this year with not having as many people walking about and dropping into like physical locations like our offices. I'm having the the lead capture, which has been an important partnership for us with um, Salesforce, has been huge. We ask where people have heard about us. Um, and so that's been really powerful in driving in driving um, value to mother brand advertising. And also, I think even with our sponsorships and whatnot, like it, it's like brand advertising when we say something like, which I was incredibly proud of, I, I wanted to, to be a sponsor for Tribeca Film Festival. I think it really talks to the culture in New York, which is where I lived for a few years and just about Americans being able to rise above adversity and supporting one another of how um, Tribeca Film Festival started. So I just love the story behind it. I love how everybody gets behind that festival. And this year they couldn't do what they wanted to do. And, and we said, well, that's okay. We don't, we're not pulling out of the sponsorship. It was just before we signed it. Um, I said, we're all in, still doing it. Um, and so we looked at ways to drive awareness through not just showing our support to entertainment, but those that love it. Um, and, and they send out surveys. We would send out surveys. And um, we have our agency that does um, brand metrics for us. But the biggest driver for me is when um, we have people coming to our website, usually from a call to action in some kind of mother brand advertising, and we ask them where they saw us. And, and that's, that's really powerful because I, I always think about um, when times are tough like this year, being able to sit in a room with executives and explain why you can't pull the marketing budget, you need to be able to have that kind of data. Otherwise, it's easy to say, well, that's a nice to have. And it was really good to see at City National Bank. We did not take that approach. We continue to support the, the advertising and the communities and our sponsorships. Yeah, that, that's really cool to hear. I mean, I think that, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm biased because I, I love sponsorships. I think that, I think they allow 
things to be created that otherwise, mm. you know, would not have the resources to be created. And I think that like it allows marketing teams to have an extension of like their themselves and their brand in in uh in a way that's like cool or fresh or interesting or or whatever that they just can't do. And I think that like, you know, I know that there's a million uh opportunities out there. But I think like those festivals and those different things, I know it's an ever-evolving, as someone who created a conference once upon a time, I know it's an ever-evolving landscape. But um, but I, I, I think it's such an opportunity next year or in 2021 to kind of redesign some of those sponsorships for in-person things. Um, I just feel like it's 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 a place where there's a lot of value to be created. And there's kind of like a lot of uh, lack of innovation for a long time because it's just kind of like, oh, this is how you did. And you're a, you know, you're a platinum sponsor, you're a gold sponsor, whatever. And there's just, I feel like next year uh, or in 2021, there's going to be a uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of interesting ways to do that stuff. Yeah. I think it's a great point, Ian, because I mean, even this year when we um, were doing our Bluebird Cafe, sponsorship, which is a very iconic cafe in um, Nashville um, that supports local talent and has had many a big talent come out of it and just really good people behind that. And like we, we, we stayed, we kept our sponsorship in there, but we're talking about what does next year look like when things are safer and, and people feel comfortable coming out again. And, and we do shows or whatnot in there. Like how do we amplify that? So we did a partnership. Um, we have a partnership with CNBC, some terrific people there. And one of our um, commercials was about our sponsorship for the Bluebird Cafe. And we, we showed that in many places and it was about building amplification for Bluebird Cafe, but also for the music industry and for Nashville and, and sure for City National Bank being a sponsor. Absolutely. But it was more than that. It was about letting people know that this is an awful time, but it will pass and we will get, we will get to do some of the things we did before and they might look a little different and we're going to have to get a little creative, but that's, that's what we do. That's how, especially Americans, like I have such admiration and I'm appreciative to live here. Like it's just a resilience. Like it, we will come back, you know, and I think about same with the LA times where we had all of these huge food sponsorships that we were doing. Um, and I was really passionate about it, not just cause I like to eat, but because, um, you know, it really does talk to the heart of communities where many of these restaurants are mum and dad, um, restaurants or, you know, family owned people involved. And we got involved in, and when the pandemic hit, like the LA Times and, and my team, we all sat down and said, okay, like the restaurant industry is suffering really badly right now. How do we do this virtually? Like how do we get food into people's homes and, and chefs onto screens and, you know, and, and my boss jokes around, we should have um, bought chairs in Zoom this time last year. But, you know, how do you get them onto Zoom virtual gatherings? And so we created this dinner series with LA Times where we were able to bring the chefs into people's homes and we had food delivered and people paid for this experience and it got huge publicity for the restaurants, you know, even this year with the 101, it's usually a huge event in LA and, you know, we, we remained involved in first. It's, it's the first time a brand has been on the front cover of 101. It's an editorial within LA times and they saw such value in what city national bank was doing for our community. They allowed us for the first time to be on the front page of, of the book. And again, like that's an industry that's decimated, but that 101 is a huge reference. It's a Bible for some people. And so finding ways to be creative so we could stay involved with our sponsorships and our community partners was really important to us. And you're absolutely right. We're already looking at next year saying, how do we do some of these big sporting events where we can help 
the teams, but also the communities get excited about it. So I, I'm very passionate about sponsorship and community as well. I, I love it. Yeah, I, I I'm curious, like how do you how do you think of ROI with those things? Like, are there are there metrics or are there certain um, you know non metrics, uh, anecdotal things that you look for that you kind of say, okay, if we're if we're seeing this, that's a this is a great thing. Yeah, and um, when I think about like a great example would be our community work. We just want to do good, like, and so when we were doing the LA Times, from every ticket that was sold, a, a donation went to the Angel Food Project, which is a very important partner um, to City National Bank and, and does a lot of work to help people that are unable to look after themselves. And that was before COVID. It became far worse during it. And so finding ways to connect that and just knowing it's doing good. So we were at the LA Times, we were getting great brand awareness and great media. We were helping the restaurant industry, which was terrific. We were building awareness for um, communities around what was in their local areas around restaurants and what was still open and what was doing business via takeaway or delivery. And we got to bring in one of our community partners and build awareness for them. And so they were in all of the media saying that they were the, um, the community partner that we picked and that portions of the tickets were going to their, to their charity. And when the food was delivered, everybody got a, a pack of cookies from the Angel Food Project. And so there was just a really nice way to bring that ecosystem together. And so we got some good um, KPIs. We wanted to get exposure. We wanted to get into the reach of the LA Times audience. But we also just wanted to help communities, help the restaurants, help a good charity doing good. And these are people that deliver food. So they're in a really high risk area um, because they're out every day doing what you know needs to be done for people that, that can't go out and get food for themselves. And so when we can make, make the stars align like that, you know, I go to bed feeling really good about what I do. And that, that, and I know the whole team feels that way when as a marketer, when you can show the true power of a brand and, and the ability to bring people together like that, because there is an opportunity for everybody involved, everybody in that relationship got something good out of it. And part of that was just doing good. So I, I, I love that stuff. And, and we do have KPIs around our sponsorships, but this year has been a little different. We haven't um, pushed that as hard this year because you can't ask someone for how many eyeballs are going to see an ice hockey game and ice hockey can't have fans in the, in the crowd. So you have, to, you have to think a little differently about that and think bigger picture about it. And so, you know, a lot of these um, sponsors, and they openly talk about it because I, I take the privacy of our clients very seriously, but some of them are also clients. And so you want to do the right thing by them. It's in, incredibly important. Yeah, totally. I, I think there's so many times where you see, um, you know, you see the tons and tons and tons of ads that that happen on uh, on TV that you kind of just think like, I feel like there's a way that they could have added in a little bit of little bit of that corporate kind of DNA, that kind of the mission, the purpose, uh, the helping people to the ads instead of just showing the flashy sports car sort of a thing um, to yeah. show how they're doing things. And I think that that's what sponsorships like really allow you to do, right? It's like, it gets to yeah. show who you are in a, in a way that just like, you know, a 30 second pre-roll doesn't. Yeah. And you know, it's so true. And I think too, like when you talk about that kind of assessment, it's really interesting because we see that in our research that many people now, regardless of age, want to know that if they're going to do business with a company, if they're going to give them some of their business, they want to know that this company wants to do good. It's part of their decision process now. And so they, they, most people want to know that if they're going to 
buy from this shop or give this this company its their deposit funds like having being able to show that you do something that gives back is becoming a big part of people's decisions and i bet you that just, that only grows after 2020 and we're going to see more of that in 2021 is my guess how do you think about uh data you know obviously customer data is at an all-time high but you also need to be uh empathetic um yeah what are the ways that you think about using customer data this is a great question because I do think banks, financial institutions have an enormous amount of data on their clients. So I, I start by first and foremost saying we take the privacy of our clients really seriously. Um, and so protecting their data and their money is absolutely priority one for us. They have to see value in how we're going to use the data. You, so they need to understand what you're doing. So you, you need to make sure they're aware. So permission to play. Um, and so when I think about um, data and, and really wanting to make sure it adds value to our, our clients, I look at the data and we look at the analytics around both digital and physical touch points. So we can get a picture that helps us understanding our clients. And I think about it from a perspective of, you know, a great example would be, um, you know, when we aggregated and anonymized the data, it helped us to create certain segments of what our clients look like. So you put the data together, you can't see no one person, but you start to get a sense of what this group of clients do and what's important to them. And so we had a recent campaign um, where we looked at the homepages on our website um, and different segments. And by customizing the experience based on this data, we saw 150% lift in form completions, which is a core metric for us as a bank. Like if, if people are coming to our site and we're able to capture some information that allows us to better serve them or to source new clients from it, then, I mean, mission accomplished. And, you know, I think about, you know, we've started to experiment a little with AI. And I know a lot of people talk about machine learning and AI, but we, we were really purposeful about how we wanted to kind of tap into that space. And so definitely given us a deeper analysis on data and we we're able to create more relevant client segments, which also allowed us to automate personalization um, when we had clients and prospects coming to the website. And so, you know, depending on what they did and, and first and third party data, we were able to create some very personalized experiences. And I think that's why we saw such engagement um, on our, our website. And, and I would say, as we start to really drive this digital growth, a big part of it was the Salesforce lead form. So, you know, it's the linchpin in our growth strategy between our digital front and our bankers. That connection between digital and the person is really important for us. And so being able to make that seamless for those that are wanting to talk to us and those in our company that have a passion and a responsibility to talk to our clients and prospects every day is super important. So this lead form has been a huge source of success for us. Um, we'd started using it and it's just been huge for us during this year when in-person just became less and less an option. Yeah, so what, what, makes, the, what makes the lead form so successful? I think it's, it's really simple. Um, it captures the information. It talks for the um, relationship man manager into a broader um, Salesforce platform that they're using to track clients and prospects so they have the funnel. Um, we're able to pull information. We can help track and see what's working and what's not working. So, you know, we might get, I'll just throw out a number there. We might get a hundred lead forms in a day and we can track based on success through the funnel of what's worked and what's not worked. So we might say, hey, the landing page for preferred has a much better conversion rate than our private banking page. Let's look at the um, what's working on each of these pages and the language and content we're using because our lead form is telling us that we have a higher conversion rate on the preferred page versus the private banking page. And so we get a lot of data to help inform what's working and what's not working, what's moving through the funnel really quickly and what drops away. And it's done in a way that is not a burden to the frontline banker. 
Um, this is all done by our analytics that my team pulls and then helps them to understand what's working with what they're doing. And sometimes it's also used as a coaching opportunity. You might see one banker that's doing incredibly well with their funnel and another one not doing so well. So we can partner them off so they can see how one's doing versus the other. And again, this was harder for us before we were using the Salesforce clouds um, as efficiently as we are today, and especially this lead form. So uh, what's next for, for City National Bank? What's next for, uh, for marketing over the next few years? Uh, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but uh, maybe you can do your best uh, impersonation of, of reading the tea leaves here. <laughs> um, it's a really, really good point. So I'll start with, I really do think as marketers, and I touched on this a little bit earlier, we need to move away from an industry mindset because I just see consumer behavior continuing to accelerate. And the lines between how people assess their experiences are going to continue to fade away. And it's going to be just one big ecosystem around client experience, regardless of industry. And so when you see um, consumers today, they really expect that same high caliber of experience across all providers. And so we have to start thinking about how we move away from that. And so I think as market is one of the things that um, has been really powerful for me. And it's a lesson I learned before I came to City National Bank, so I was able to bring that learning here is I've been a banker for a long time, my whole career. And so I have a very strong point of view and experience in banking. And when you're trying to compete in a broader landscape and you're only employing bankers, you really limit the experience. And so I found that very quickly. So I started to um, bring in people very consciously that had zero banking experience because we had plenty of that. We needed people to come in and help us think about experiences in marketing and what informs marketing that had not worked in banking. So people that were from high-end retail, people from car companies, people from um, high-end makeup providers, cosmetic companies, like just really getting outside your comfort zone. And it's okay that they don't know banking. There's enough of that, as I said. It's about how do you start to really think about that client experience and, and bringing that kind of thought leadership into the room, I think is really important. And I do think that how consumers will continue to digest information and make decisions will go more and more to digital and to social. And it's going to be really interesting to see how companies play in that space. Um, Because when you start to seek opinions from others, that word of mouth, again, this client experience, like vertical in marketing is going to become stronger and bigger. And how we make sure as companies and as marketers Um, the company that you work for is putting its best face forward that to your point earlier, Ian, like it's staying true to what it, what it wants to do and what it wants to be. Like you have to really keep that ethical North star very front and center. And I, and I think that's going to be the biggest play. Like I really do think diversity um, of how you hire and how you start to think about engagement is going to need to pivot a little bit and it's going to pivot because clients are already way ahead of most companies in this space of how they are making decisions around purchase or not purchase. It's so true. And if you think about how, okay, so back in the day, you had your company headquarters in, we'll just say Sydney, (laughs) um, and you hire a lot of marketers in Sydney. And then you have to open new locations in, you know, wherever, if you need one in Oakland, California. It's Mm. like, now all of a sudden you have all these marketers that 
grew up in Sydney or spent a lot of time in Sydney that need to market mm-hmm. to a bunch of people in Oakland, California. And so I think that a lot of like the diversity, you know, question as it comes to, you know, talent and marketing um, and diversity of thought and experience and all those things. Now with the way that remote work is happening and all those things you can build, it's much harder. Uh, there's still a lot of value and obviously being in person and things like that. But you know, building your team uh, differently, you know, the way that you would build perhaps a, you know, a soccer team or basketball team or football team or whatever, building with different types of athletes that do different things is super important. Um, and and you want, you want to have a diversity of experience, thought and background uh, so that you can bring better and more ideas to the table. Yeah. Spot, spot on. And it's exciting too. You know, like I, I'm glad that, you know, while I might be in my, my 40s, I still have this curiosity of a child. Like, I, I love the why. Why is that? And having different people in the room, it, like, it's always, you're always learning and you want to you be in that space when you become complacent. I think you lose perspective a little bit and you don't want to ever not be asking why. So you can best understand that your clients and the target audience you're going after, you, you need diversity of thought and experience. Otherwise, I don't think it's going to be as successful as it possibly could be. Okay, let's get into our lightning round. These questions are fast and easy, just like marketing with Salesforce. You know all about this because you're Salesforce customers, so you know. But for our listeners who don't, Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing, build on the world's number one CRM. That is Salesforce. You can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more. Lightning, fast questions and answers. Linda, are you ready? I'm so excited about this. Hit me. (laughs) Number one, if you could have one guest on a podcast, who would it be? Bon Jovi. Do you have a hobby (laughs) that you picked up during 2020? Yep. Every morning, as soon as I wake up, I strap on my sneakers and I go for a walk down by Santa Monica Beach. Every morning, it's meditation before I take my run. Oh, that's pretty good. Um, Mm. How about a book or a podcast or maybe a TV show that you were binging recently? <laughs> I just bought the whole DVD set for NCIS Los Angeles because I didn't want to like be caught out with nothing to watch. So NCIS Los Angeles, completely addicted to that show. <laughs> if you weren't in marketing, what do you think you'd be doing? This is a great one. Uh, as a kid, I loved the arts. I loved acting and I played a bunch of instruments. So definitely something that allowed me to still be creative would be awesome. Do you have a best advice for a first time CMO? Such a good question. You know, it's okay not to know everything. If you're the smartest person in the room, then you've hired the wrong people. Never stop asking questions. As I said earlier, curiosity is your biggest asset. And then one other thing for a CMO, because I learned this the hard way, Make friends with your CFO. Make sure they understand the power and importance of, and the role that marketing plays. Indeed. That is that is sage advice. Um, okay. Last question before we get out of here. Is there one question that you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? Well, that's a great question. Um, Ian, I don't, I don't, I mean, I've been doing this for a while now. I don't think there is a question that I've never been asked. I'd like to ask. Um, I guess the one thing I... I I would probably say is I like when people say, you know, where do you get your inspiration or, or your energy from? Because I always like to find a way to mention my mum and dad. Uh, my dad's past, but my mum and dad were such phenomenal parents and, and just did such a great job in, in allowing me to remain curious and, and being myself and telling me that I could be anything I wanted to to be when I grew up. So I just love that thinking. I just feel very blessed for that. 
Well, and and we got to end this episode so that you can go dip your toes in, in the same same water that your mom is this evening. That's so sweet. Thank you. <laughs> awesome having you on the show, Linda. It's been great. Any final thoughts? Anything to plug? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Ian. It's terrific to be able to do this with you. And, and thank you to Salesforce, um, terrific partners. and was really happy to be able to do this and, and talk a little bit about how helpful they have been to us, which is super important. So thank you. Awesome. Take care. Thank you. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, The messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.